Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to Music Live Radio. I'm your host, Dan Slaughter. Music Live Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com and features interviews and stories about and related to music. Today on the program, we feature Farai Shields, singer, songwriter, artist, author, and green business entrepreneur. We talked to Farai about his various bands, including Sacred Journey, his current solo work, his green carpet cleaning business, Be Green for Life, and how he obtained his magical guitar for $5. We also listened to some live tracks performed at Music Live Radio Studios throughout the episode. Farai's music has a reggae foundation with vibrations from the entire diaspora. At the core of his drive and passion is the commitment to create healing music that will uplift the listener. Like the saying, you can taste the love in the cooking. This music is created with love and the intent to liberate and transform the listener. Farai is determined to share his mystical musical experience with the world. Sit back and relax to another episode of Music Live Radio. This one entitled Musical Affirmation, Farai Shields. Before we begin, though, here is the rest of New Day by Farai.
Welcome, Far Eye, to Music Live Radio. How you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you, sir. How are you? I'm very well. All Looking right. forward to this interview. Yes, me too. What we like to do is kind of go through a journey of people's lives, musicians and artists and whoever else we have on the program. So the best way to get acquainted with you is can you talk about your background and what kind of music you were listening to when you were growing up and what was inspiring you? Wow, the music of, I guess, the late 60s and early 70s, so much good music. Jackson's, um, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, the whole Motown scene. You know, my dad was a big jazz lover. I guess I wasn't really so much into the jazz, but he's he's a big jazz lover. My dad's a big music lover, so I would say my, my father's love of music a big music collector, collects a lot of music, so had a lot of variety, but I would think the R&B of the 70s and 80s um, really is my big influence there. I also had uh, some gospel. Um, I had an um, uncle come from Cincinnati, Ohio, and that was pretty monumental when I was a teenager. And I went on the, uh, the storefront gospel tour. <laughs> <laughs> And that was really uh, probably my first really intimate live music experience, other than like uh, recitals and things like that. You know, I, I grew up uh, playing piano when I started at seven. So uh, I did recitals and things, but it was definitely a lot more feel good in the storefront churches that my uh, uncle was playing in. So the, this gospel tour that you're talking about was a local thing? Yeah, or? he came. Well, it was a national thing for him. He came from Cincinnati with his brothers, the O'Neill brothers, and um, and went on tour. Uh-huh. Just wherever they would, wherever they could find a church to listen to them, they would uh, play. And they would uh-huh. play in the home. Wherever there was a piano, they would sing. And, and know, Which area were you growing up in? <clears throat> Los Angeles. And so you, you mentioned you started piano at age seven. What Were you interested in that, or was that something your parents uh, just kind of... my mom. My yeah. mom said she wanted us to have all the things that she never had. Yeah. So she used to always say, um, well, I want you to learn the piano because one day you'll go to college and they'll ask, uh, does anybody know how to play piano? <laughs> and you'll say, yes, I do. <laughs> I know how to play piano. And sure enough, I went to college and was in a band. I wasn't playing piano. I was playing saxophone. But Yeah, but if you learn piano, you can pretty much pick up any instrument, I think. I started, yes. I did a couple of years of uh, piano lessons. We had an organ, I think we got mm. from Sears or something. Mm. All those Lowry organs. Yes, yes. And, it's uh, a good, great foundation. Yeah. You know, the piano, everything's, all the keys are laid out in front of you. And you can <laughs> really see music just by looking at it, mm. you know. Guitar and the other, you know, you can look at a guitar and have no idea where this, you know, <laughs> yeah, how, how does this all work here? <laughs> but piano is like, oh, pretty simple. With the piano experience, did you start to ex- when did you start to expand out into other types of music? Well, I would say I really found my musical freedom when my love of music as a teenager. For some reason, I asked my mother for a saxophone. I don't know why, but I did. And she gave it to me for a birthday present. And I started, I was working, had businesses at the time as a teenager, so I had money. So I started paying for my own music lessons um, and I didn't really like it. It wasn't, it was more like homework, more homework. And I, I was a Three sport, playing three sports, going to a Catholic school, and so my life was really, really busy, you know, with homework and all that other kind of stuff. So, oh yeah, 
I was looking for a creative outlet without really knowing that that was looking for. So one day I decided to let me see if I could play this saxophone to the radio of the music that I love. Oh, you yeah. know? And lo and behold, that was it. That was my moment of discovering the other side of music. <laughs> You're joy. like, it's time to jam. I can yes, put those books down. Yes, <laughs> man. That was my first musical freedom experience. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's probably one of the biggest moments that you can remember is saying, wow, this is a different way to do this. Oh, man. Yeah. Completely <laughs> different way. It's like night and day. Uh-huh. Night and day. It's like... Pain and pleasure for me, that's uh-huh. what it was. You know, it was just so rewarding, so fulfilling just to um, play um, by ear and play, you know, even if the notes don't come out great, it's just the experience of being free, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to being in a cave. <laughs> Get chained up by the yeah. Mel Babe yeah. being a saxophone for beginners. Like, and turn the page <laughs> and just hold this for three. And it's like, oh, so I know what it is. It's cerebral. Uh-huh. You're still in, to me, I'm in my brain when I'm reading, and I so don't want to be in my brain when I'm playing music. I always want to be like out of my body, out of my time zone, out of my, you know, just in a whole nother space, whole nother place. And yeah. that's what uh, playing by ear and spirit does for me. So after that radio experience, when did you say, well, we need to take this to the next level and start playing with other people? I would say, I would really think college. Mm-hmm. Really, when I went to came, I came up here uh, to the Bay Area to go to UC Berkeley, and started a band right away. You know, friend played the drums, great, and and then um, found a bass player in the community, and I was playing saxophone, and another friend played guitar, and another friend played saxophone. And- what what made you pick uh, Berkeley? Um, really an older friend of mine. Uh, I have a like a twin brother, but he's one year older than me. Mm-hmm. He graduated a year ahead of me and one of and one of our really close friends went to Berkeley. So he's the reason why I came up here. On your website it mentioned something about you had a dream of liberation through music. Yeah. Did that play into it at the time? No. Was definitely. that after kind of after you started at Berkeley? Yeah. That is much later, much later in my life. I think that Early in my life, I definitely was on a spiritual quest, not really knowing what I wanted to do different than what status quo, not status quo, uh, but I'll say uh, the Well, you said you grew up in a Catholic. Yeah, my dad's a doctor. So, you know, the whole outward accomplishments, which definitely have their place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but I definitely was not really understanding the place for it. As a teenager, I I felt like um, the world that I was in was like a two-dimensional world, and there was another world mm-hmm. some kind of way, but I didn't know where it was or how to access it. I just felt that there was something else beyond just go to school, get a good job, have a career, raise a family, buy a house, and then go have fun. <laughs> <laughs> And, very structured. Uh, yeah, very structured. I'm like, wait a minute. There's got to be some other worlds I can explore as a human being. So I was very much on the quest and open, open to things, you know, and just kind of going where it felt good. You know, oh, music. Yeah, let's do that. You know, oh, gardening. Let's do that. You know, mm-hmm. business. Let's do that. You know, so, yeah. Well, college is a good time to start to explore all that stuff. I think a lot of people, you know, whether you're going to school, college or not, after that high school experience is usually when people start to 
think about things a little differently. Yeah, it's like a rude <laughs> awakening. You're okay. Pay your pay your rent now. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> the name of your first band was Ujama. Yes, from one of the Kwanzaa principles, cooperative economics, okay. which I always love working together. You know, to, for sustainability, community sustainability, mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know getting a job and accepting what mm-hmm. is. To me, it's like accepting what is or create something new. And also, JAMA is all about just being responsible for your your fellow members of society, mm-hmm. you know, and think about how to you guys can sustain yourself like any other village would you mm-hmm. know, or community. How are we going to eat? You know, are we going <laughs> to fish? Are we going to plant? Are we going <laughs> to eat, pick berries? What are we going to do? Yeah. You know, so that's a cooperative act. That's the Ujama. So we were together for maybe about a year, year and a half. Yeah, really a lot of fun times. We used to have this place called Jaws Temple, and it was just four UC Berkeley students. And we just rented out a house in North Oakland. And oh, and you called it the Jazz Temple? Ja, like ja. God's Temple. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, like Jehovah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like ja. uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Jaws Temple. And uh, we uh, had a garden and, you know, interacting with the community. Sounds oh, great. It was great. Some really mm-hmm. great times. Beautiful ladies and people and uh-huh ideas and exchange and a lot of hopes and dreams, you know, and a lot of jam <laughs> sessions too. <laughs> now did a lot of other musicians and stuff kind of come in and out of that? Yes. I met a lot of music a lot of musicians from that that scene. Got to know some of the older people that had been in the community through the uh, Ashby flea market at the time was really um it was different than it is now. It was more a lot more going on to me. Uh I haven't been there in a while but now it seems not the same as when I was in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Everything changes. Yeah. <laughs> it, seems, it seems a lot more uh, culturally rich, I would uh-huh. say, with uh, a lot more progressive thinkers and almost like how, how I would think like the old coffee shops were in mm-hmm. England or something like that, where you have a lot of free thinkers around or how they describe, but I think it was a Greenwich Village or something like that mm-hmm. in, in New York. New York, yep. Yeah. Um, it was that... Uh, Seems like people had ideas and consciousness of, was everywhere, you know, and um, stores were popping up, and and people were uh, we were selling shirts, t-shirts, and and uh, reading and studying, and you know, it was it was a, definitely a, a conscious explosion that was going on there, and cultural explosion too, and so a lot of the musicians I met from that little neighborhood right there, little. Ashby flea market area, North Oakland mm-hmm. area, and we rode bikes back to campus, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them were up there too, you know. So um, <clears throat> that's how the Forces of Victory started, which okay, were yeah. older guys that had been playing in the community. I was a young guy in that band. So really, that was like the who's who of the local um, reggae scene and world beat scene. With some seasoned seasoned musicians, and I was the young guy, just happy to be there. I was the only young guy too in that band. Um, it was, uh, I was our older family men, men with children, mm-hmm. and learned a lot from from playing with them and being with them. And uh, responsibility. What kind of gigs were you guys playing? We're just playing like local gigs. You know, yeah. I think uh, the best gig I remember us playing was the Masonic Hall, um, somewhere over there, and. I think it was Masonic Hall off at Alcatraz, I think it was. Mm. It seemed like about 200 people there. 
and it was uh nice. Vibe <laughs> <laughs> was thick and yeah. music was hot and you know it was it was beautiful. I think that was my uh challenge with that was like uh the uh like it was just like the uh, New York Yankees. You know, you have a lot of older superstar guys and I think it was hard for them to um get along, you know, or as far as like it had so much music and so much talent that like, okay, well, what goes on the CD? I think when we went to make the CD was when we realized that it's, you know, whose song goes on there? <laughs> you know, I, I, I could care less. I was just playing saxophone and mm-hmm. doing background vocals at the time. Whose song goes on there? Who goes songs goes on first? I was just observing the whole thing. <laughs> but basically when, they, uh, when we got to recording, that's when it all dismantled. Oh, it was... Know. A lot of uh, people's own personalities really shine through at that point. Huh? Personalities, man. Strong, strong older guys, man. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, okay, I'm just a little kid here. So. Can't we just get back to the music? Yeah, can we play music? Can we just play one song? How about that? How about one song start first and then the next one start after that? <laughs> yeah, yeah that didn't work out too well. Yeah, that's usually the downfall of any band is just the personalities and, uh, and how they, yeah. you know, how people work together with it's each like other. A and marriage or family yeah. or, you know, something where you're family. You're, I mean, I guess anytime you have to be involved with the same group of people over and over, like a family, you know, like your brother, you're still at the dinner table every night or, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, this guy again or that girl again, your sister or whatever. But so wasn't really meant to be it, mm-hmm. it was meant to be for that short time yeah. and we had a lot of i learned so much man it's so much because before then we were just like really jamming mm-hmm. you know just rock out or just jam out whatever comes out you mm-hmm. know we're just having fun as college kids though those guys were professional musicians mm-hmm. they were getting paid to play music and session work yeah and- they were they were like playing with the big reggae bands mm-hmm. And you know maybe a Circle Star. I don't know how many how many people does a Circle Star owe like ten thousand or something, mm. five thousand or ten. I don't know. But they were playing. They were on stage with you know big stars, mm. reggae stars or world beat stars when they came mm. to town. You know they were playing drums or mm. piano or both, <laughs> switching in between. So the talent was phenomenal. So your next project was Word Sound Power. And this is where you started to actually focus more on your vocals and songwriting? Yeah, yeah. That word sound power was, um, you know, where Forces of Victory was just kind of like a exposure into like, wow, people get paid to play music. Mm, that's interesting, you know. What would that look like? And what it would look like to be in a band that like as a source of income mm-hmm. or a career path even, you know. What would that look like? So, um, Word Sound Power was like me as a young twenty-year-old and a group of friends saying, "Hey, let's let's do this. Let's you know." So as opposed to like with John, we're just jamming out in college, having fun. It's, this is more like, okay, all right, we need a business plan, or we need to figure out some stuff here. How could we? What does it even look like? How do how do you how do you how do you play music and make money from it? You know, mm-hmm. where do you even begin to, you know, get shows? And so with Forces of Victory, I was just the young guy along for the ride. And 
Words Sound Power, I was like, okay, now I need to sing some lead um, vocals. And Well, Jamma, I was singing some lead vocals, too. Mm-hmm. Force of Victory, I was just playing saxophone and background vocals. But Words Sound Power, younger, um, 20, maybe mid to late 20s, and uh, really looking at it as, hey, I really want to do this as a career now. So I don't know what to do, but let's rehearse, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and rehearse and find a place to play. What kind of style of music were you doing? Is that a reggae still, or was it kind of? Yeah, it's kind of all over. You know, yeah. what I mean, people come to my shows and they still don't know what kind of music <laughs> it is. I, I'm like, uh, I had this experience where a lady came at a coffee shop, and I must have played almost close to two hours. And she came up after after the show and said, "What kind of music is it?" But I'm like, she had been there for two hours. <laughs> Well, you know what it is. I just played it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't you have know, to put a label on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the kind of music that, you know, it's hard to put a label on it. I, I just really feel that, you know, where I'm at now is like a spiritual place with it. This song is called Chewing. It's all about busting through the doom. another dimension of higher consciousness of oneness with divine energy Ganesh we call on Ganesh the remover of obstacles Ganesh the humans have been having some difficulty on planet Easy life is when you're living grateful. 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 
gigs were you uh, doing in that band well word sound power i think our best gig that we did we had all we put all white on all four of us were in white we had i was on the bass and singing and we had a drummer and a keyboard player and a conga player and we all sang yeah we had a show at um asmara mm-hmm. i think that was our biggest show i don't know something happened sometimes where I guess the music and the people become like one entity, and I feel like there's a transformation that happens. I think in in, in maybe the uh, Baptist church, they might say that everybody got the Holy Ghost or something <laughs> like that. You mm-hmm. know, but some kind of electrical, conscious, uh, otherworldly, like a UFO kind of landing and taking everybody to a different place. And I remember that it happened that night for me and and. You know, I felt like it happened as a group, you know, that we went somewhere together. And that was the greatest accomplishment of that, you know. Anytime you can connect with the audience like that, that's yeah. a good show. Yeah, <laughs> good show, man. It's like, woo, have fun. I was like, we mm-hmm. did it. I remember hugging everybody out there like, we did mm-hmm. it. We actually had like a group meditation or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to really put it to words, but it's um some kind of synergy of, of spirituality, spiritual forces uniting, and and um, the collective mind merging, and I guess everybody losing their identity and just kind of becoming this musical consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. coming one with the music, you know. So that was our pinnacle, I think. And then almost like the same thing happened with Forces of Victory. Once we try to really okay pin down some business things it's just we start realizing that it's not really gonna work mm-hmm. it's like everybody kind of wants different things and mm-hmm. now you also mentioned the ethiopian nightclub scene can you just talk about that that was with sacred journey um, okay that's later okay. Mm-hmm. that was later on but that was the ethiopian restaurant we played there at the okay. asmara and uh it seems like the ethiopians have always been uh really connected you know to the whole um conscious music scene you know, and they get involved some kind of way. Some kind of way they weave themselves into my my story. <laughs> I, I just recently uh, did a show with my daughter. Um, it was like kind of like an open mic thing. And it was at this uh, Ethiopian restaurant on, on Broadway. And it was really, really nice because the crowd was so lovely. Yeah. You know. But there was a scene that was happening, I guess, in the late 90s. In early 2000s. So after Word Sound Power, I was doing capoeira at the time. And one of the capoeiristas said, hey, my friend plays guitar. You should get together with him. And so um, get together with a guitar player. And 
a friend that I, I knew since I came up here in uh, Berkeley. He's a little younger than me, but he, he was in high school when I was um, in college. And um, he was really, he still is a DJ, but he also played drums, had a drum set. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, man, why don't you get that drum set? And, you know, I play the bass, and guitar player, and the guitar player, and knew a keyboard player. And that was uh, the most success I've ever had as a, um, as a band, you mm-hmm. know, the Sacred Journey. And mm-hmm. We were together about six years. We practiced probably for about, Maybe a year and a half, almost like we just rehearsed all the time. We were just having a lot of fun playing music, mm-hmm. and maybe we were rehearsing like two or three times a week. And then um, we got to the point, I guess, where I I really wanted to get out. I'm like, man, we should be rehearsing in front of people. One of the first gigs I got was uh, a Chipotle restaurant in Berkeley uh, for Wednesday nights. And then, um, man, there's a place in in um, San Francisco. That had live music too that we played a couple times at Lettucey, um, who has continued to her career. I've seen her on the cover of Essence magazine. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, she was playing the same clubs we were playing. The only yeah. thing she she was a solo act, and her mom was behind her. She had family support, yeah. and so that's huge. And she could just keep going, you know. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was the scene. It was. Um, Live music, you know, at night scene for the Ethiopian restaurants. and played several of them. You know, the Ethiopians, the restaurants, they like the live music. And, uh, and, and the, we, play like a, we were playing like a reggae world beat kind of fusion, you know, mm-hmm. sound. Um, and they were loving it, you know. So we got a lot of the Ethiopian restaurants, Asmara, Chibo, um, Seems like we could always play Ethiopian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be no problem, you know. We could, I could go in there and I could have our little bio and our, you know, pictures and yeah. I can get in. Matter of fact, what took us to the quote unquote bigger stages, big time, larger audience was one time we were playing the empty Ethiopian restaurant on Wednesday night. One person walks in from Santa Cruz, a producer, and she said, "Are you guys ready for the big time?" And I was like. <laughs> Yes, we are. <laughs> and next thing you know, we were opening up for Baba Ola Tunji in front of like, we went from playing to an empty crowd uh, to playing 2,000, 1,500, 2,000 people at the Catalyst uh-huh. in Santa Cruz. And from there, it was like, it was just like rocket fuel, man. It was like we just took off. You know, we started playing very large events and being booked all the time, you know. That was the late 90s? Yeah, late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a great time. And then, what did you do? At some point, you decided you wanted to do a solo. Well, I think what happened is, I think I really wanted to make music my full time mm-hmm. job, and I think the other band members were more comfortable in their job. Probably they liked their job more. Yeah. I was, I was an entrepreneur, and I was doing. T-shirts. I started mm-hmm. doing T-shirts in college, and I kept that going. I kept having a hard time finding people to work with. I couldn't hold. It's like I, I, end, I always end up working by myself in, in a room, and I was like, I do not want to live like this. <laughs> I do not want to live just by myself like uh, all day long, <laughs> you know, and I'm paying bills, just paying bills, making good money, but just paying bills, mm-hmm. you know, but making good money. But not really being fulfilled 
So mm-hmm. music was, was hot and happening for yeah. me. So I'm like, man, I'm going to do this full time. That's where <laughs> the crowd, the people, the music, you know. But um, the other, my other band members had, uh, you know, jobs and they were more comfortable in their jobs and they were with people in their jobs too. And I was by myself and my, <laughs> my business was like a job. Uh-huh. And I think that it became too much work and became conflicting with their jobs. You know, I'm, I want to go full time and it's a little unstable, you know, and you're not, no, I'm I'm a risk taker though. Yeah, I, you gotta be a risk taker. I'm a venture. risk taker, man. I'm like, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know, weigh my options, but I'll push go. It'll be me. Yeah, I'll go. So I wanted to do it, and you know, it's like, okay, yeah, well, the f- the first six months look good, but how about after that? You know, if I quit my job, I'm gonna pay my bills. <laughs> if I, you know, I'm like, man, you just gotta get another get another show, sell some music, you know. Yeah. Sell some CDs. So uh, I think we came to a point where we had accomplished way more than we had thought we would. Yeah. I don't even know, like, when we got together, did we really even think of, like, I want to do this as a career. It was more like, hey, man, let's play, play some music. You know, mm-hmm. it's like jamming. You yeah. know, and we just start jamming. And then next thing you know, I start getting gigs. And, you know, then we're in a business together, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, how we go from jamming six years ago, and now we're in this business thing. Yeah. And do we agree on all these terms, and who owns the rights to the songs? And I was playing the song, been playing. Well, I wrote the song, but yeah, but I played the song for six years, so, you know, and that's my guitar part, and that's my drum part, yeah, so yeah, yeah. not really even knowing how to figure all that out. And just, I think it's just the grind of, uh, then we recorded a CD where we where we, we started making money with our live show, yeah. and we took like a year off to record the CD, and we stopped making money, so we kind of lost our momentum. Yeah. But then we decided, okay, CD's ready now, let's go out there, and then the guitar player left, we had another guitar player, I didn't want that guitar player in the band, I wanted the old guitar player in the band, it was just like all these things, and then it's like, just it became just too much, so... Meanwhile, while all hell was breaking loose on the farm, <laughs> my next door neighbor uh, um, comes to me one day and says, well, actually, it was somebody that was cutting the grass for my next door mm-hmm. neighbor. And we sat uh, rehearse in this garage. And right next door to the, our house was like this, it looked like an apartment building, but it was a single family home. Mm-hmm. Right next to it was an apartment building. And at the bottom, the lady had a huge backyard, like, it was ginormous. It always would get overgrown, and this guy Mm -hmm. she would hire maybe, like, I don't know, once a month to just cut it down. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever he would come over, he would hear us playing. So one time, this lady hires him to clean out her her attic, and she said, don't show me anything in my attic. (laughs) If you show it to me, I'm going to tell you to keep it. She said, I want everything... I think her husband had passed, yeah. or she was just ready to, she was an older move lady, yeah. and she was just ready to move on with her life, yeah. right, and get everything out of there. And so, this guitar was oh, sitting wow. in her <laughs> attic, and I was playing bass at the time. Yeah. He comes running, hey, I got something for you, man, I saw it, and it's, this thing is for you. And I'm like, oh, what is it? He said, just wait, wait right there. And so, he comes back, and uh, he has this guitar. Now, my mom, when my mom had me play piano, my mom had brought my brother a guitar. And um, so I had that guitar. Yeah. 
And I never really been motivated to play it. But one day I asked my person who plays guitar in the band, hey, should I get this, you know, what do you think about this guitar? Should I get it fixed or can I get it fixed? Yeah. And he said, man, just buy another one. That guitar yeah. is so <laughs> messed up. You should buy another one, right? <laughs> so when the guy comes running with this guitar in the back of my mind was, Man, is it like the guitar I already have? Is it messed up? You know, because I'm not know. I know about bass, and yeah. you know, I didn't know anything about guitar, other than you know the the four strings on the bass are the same as the mm-hmm. four strings on the guitar. So he comes running, and I I think I was in in between money at the time, so I think my pockets were a little bit bare. He comes running up the stairs with this guitar, and I'm like, man, I don't have any money for that. I don't have any money. And he looked at me, smiled, and said, give me $5. <laughs> and I really didn't want to give him $5. <laughs> I'm like, man, I need, yeah, I need that $5 right now. And <laughs> $5 to feed my whole family. Uh, and uh, I didn't even do it because of the guitar. I did it because of his face. Yeah. The look on his face, man. It was like, do you know what this is? You know, it's like, I, this is for you. And uh, so I'm like, drag the $5 out of my pocket. Like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Here you go, man. Here's my $5. Now I have to figure out where I'm going to get $5. Here's $5. He's like, thank you very much. I'm like, okay, man. Have a good day. So now I have this guitar that I don't really know how to play. And so I say, well, I'm going to take it to the Guitar Center. It was in Emeryville. I mean, uh, El Cerrito at the time. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. take it up to Guitar Center and just see if, you know, is it worth investing in? Do I have to change the bridge or do I have to change? And so I take it to Guitar Center and wait in line and, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, did I get, you know, B out of $5 kind of thing, you know. So I show him the guitar. I say, hey, man, somebody gave this guitar to me for $5. And I just want to know, is it like, you know, can I, like, get strings for it? Or is it does it work? Or, <laughs> you know, is it any good? He said, somebody gave this guitar to you for $5? <laughs> I said, yeah, man, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's worth it. And he said, you don't know if it's worth it. I was like, no. He said, man, this is a four hundred dollar five. You might. This is like a five hundred dollar guitar. And I was like, what? Five hundred dollars? I said, well, does it work? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it works. He said, man, I wish somebody would have gave me this guitar for five dollars. <laughs> so my kind of. Doom and gloom of being swindled out of $5, bless the man's heart. But I, he didn't know. He was just, yeah. uh, you know, he was cleaning out the lady's attic. So he didn't. He just felt that it was for me. And so that's um, how I started playing guitar. I got a guitar that the guy, the guy at the Guitar Center was very happy about. <laughs> so I was like, wow, he's happy about it. He must, you know, he works around guitars all day long. Yeah. So must be worth uh like it must be a good a good thing that happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, as that guy came running up the stairs. So um, I started just kind of playing it and uh, making up uh, songs on it and stuff like that, and learning some of my old bass lines to mm-hmm. uh, my my songs that I had already written. 
I decided to uh, go to these open mics that were everywhere in the Bay Area at the time. All, you know, it was uh, this whole poetry slam thing was uh, real. All over the place. Yeah, yeah, it was all over the place. And so uh, I started going to the poetry slam and man, they stopped loving it. You know, they're like, man, this is great. And I'm like, it is. And they're like, man, it's fantastic. We want to feature you. I said, well, you want to feature me? Um, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> said, well, what a feature means is that, because normally you just go up to the mic and you play a song, maybe two, yeah. and you go back and sit down. Feature, they wanted to give you some money, which, you know, hey, money's not bad. <laughs> you know, here's money, I think like $35 or something <laughs> like that. little honorarium, and then they want you to pay like, Maybe six, seven songs. Yeah. You know, yeah. they want to have want you to have a, a whole little uh, event up there, like do a show. So I was like, wow, this, you know, it was something that they asked for. So so I would go to the open mics for a while and uh, perform, and then I started realizing that man, the open mics that I was going to were depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I have been to some of those where the people are just like Golly. sitting there in this uh, gloomy state and then they Man. get up and play their depressing I'm song. I'm like, what <laughs> the heck is this? I'm like, music for me is like this wild, blissful <laughs> snow ride or I don't know, magic carpet ride or something that's <laughs> completely euphoric and blissful yeah. and celebratory, happy, joyful. And I was going to these open mics, and they were talking about, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to them in their lives or in a stranger's life. You know, this uh, one guy used to get up and talk about Vietnam oh, and wow. how his friend died in his arms, and he would take you back to the memory of that. And and it was almost like, if you're going to get on that mic, you better say a sad story. <laughs> like, what? I'm uh-huh. joy. I am. I look. Life is already challenging enough. You got relationships. And you got children. You got you got to make money. You got your parents. You got society. Yeah, I'm like, man, are we having fun yet? Can I just have like a moment of my life where it's just all fun and joyful? And that's music for me, you know. So it's like I got to have fun. When I play music, it's going to be fun. It's not going to be about doom and gloom. In a way, I felt like I didn't really fit on that scene. And I just didn't even want to be exposed to those negative thoughts. You know, I mean, just like anything bad that can happen to a human, it seemed like somebody would go up there and say it. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen to a human? Okay, I wrote a poem about it. <laughs> let me let me take you through the emotions of it. Are you crying? Are you, are you slamming your fist? Do you want to kill the person? Or you know, it's like. Man, I don't want to hear that. It's like I don't even watch the news because I don't want to hear a whole bunch of bad news. Yeah, you know, it's no. like. I want to be in a in another dimension. So what I decided that I was going to do was uh, create my own show, the Freedom Road Show, mm-hmm. as art, music, and financial freedom. So we got together and uh, got people, to, other musicians and business people, and we did every Friday night, two thousand seven to maybe two thousand ten. So a lot, a lot of Freedom Road shows, you and, know, and that was so that. You said roadshow, so this was at various venues. Yeah, various cafes mainly. Yeah, and uh, met a lot of good friends from that. That's how the business came. The green carpet cleaning business came from a Freedom Roadshow, Fr- financial freedom. Yeah, so talk <laughs> talk about the carpet business a little bit. Okay, all right, yeah. So um, I'm at the Freedom Roadshow, and um, 
this beautiful lady is coming there and she has a following just because she's so incredibly beautiful, sweet, musical, talented. It's like going to see a waterfall or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like she's amazing, you know, it's like, wow. And so she brought some friends to the Freedom Road show and one of them, he started like he really, you know, took to the show and started filming it and he played guitar as well and sings and so after about maybe four or five shows, it's like, hey, I have, you know, I did and during the show I would ask people on the financial freedom part, um, does anybody have any ideas, you know, where we can like do this Ujama thing, you know, mm-hmm. collective cooperative economics or Anybody have any business ideas or ways that we could sustain ourselves in this economy or this society? And so people would get up, real estate people would get up, you know, network marketing people would get up, um, insurance people would get up, you know, financial planners would get up, um, other entrepreneurs would just say, this is my business, I fix cars, you know, Mm -hmm. here's my number. And so this person after the show was over, he kind of pulled me to the side and was like, hey, you know, I want to show you this natural it's cleaning, carpet cleaning. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and he's like, and he said, well, I, you know, I really want to show it to you. And I'm like, no, I really don't want to do it, you know. <laughs> and he said, well, look here. I've been coming to your shows. I've been videotaping them. You know, I've been playing for free. I know you've been playing for free too. And I really appreciate you. He's like, I really appreciate what you're doing, but I need you to do this for me. I need you to come see and I'll pay you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if you say it like that, <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because you've been there for me. Yeah. He's uploaded, you know, Freedom Road Show sub to YouTube. He would do that, mm-hmm. you know, after the show, he played, he would go home and upload video. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm like, okay, wherever you need me to be. So um, we went to San Francisco and. Saw it one time and fell in love with it. Like, wow, this is just amazing. You know, it's healthy, it's green. It's um and the guy and at the time I was in between money and the guy wanted to pay us two hundred and eighty dollars and he said, Nope, I can only take one fifty. I was like, What? <laughs> like, let him pay two eighty and give me the <laughs> <laughs> the man wants to pay two hundred eighty dollars. Let the man pay two hundred eighty dollars, man. <laughs> He's like, no, I can only take one fifty, and I'm like, man, I'm in this kind of business. I want to do this, okay? I'm like struggling for money, and this guy's turning down money. I'm like, man, I need to go. I need to be where you are. So I like the process. I like the you know fact that it was cash and. People wanted to pay right then and there, like real estate. You might work for three years and still not get paid. Mm-hmm. This was like, clean my carpets, paying you right now. And so uh, started doing it, and it was like um, a calling, man. It just it chose me, you know, and I've been doing it now, uh, since 2009. It's 2013, and it's like we're going seven days a week. I'm going seven days a week. I'm trying to. Uh, get some people in the office this year, and hopefully by next year I'll play, have more balance with music and art and writing. All right, let's pick it up a little bit. This is a uh, a green song called "Save the World."
green lifestyle for all humanity. Zero impact for everyone. Green education for fathers and sons. Mothers and daughters, you are the key. Yeah, yeah. Dolphins and plants depend on you and me. They like the river, runs to the sea. The solution lies within you and me. Every man and woman must have the courage to live your dream. Live your dream. Organic farms in our community Everyone with strength is planting trees Multi-crop farming will save the bees And create jobs in our economy Within you and me, every man and woman have the courage. Live your dream, live your dream. We the ones we're born to save this world. We the ones we're born to save this world. cause uh sustainability and uh, meeting wonderful people that um put healthy living and the green lifestyle you know um, as a priority 
to me, the ultimate is just the meeting the people. But being being good at something is wonderful too. You know, mm-hmm. like when you're when you master something, like it's like being a craftsman. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can fix a chair, or you can fix a car, you can clean the carpet, or you can clean somebody's home. It's a it's a it's a, it's very challenging too. You know, housekeeping is the most challenging, even <laughs> more challenging than carpet cleaning. Mm-hmm. Come in and uh and you know clean all the different surfaces and reflect light get things up to light speed in mm-hmm. a healthy way and purify people's homes and mm-hmm. and uh save the the children the the women and the families uh, men and the environment and sea creatures you know mm-hmm. um so it's very uh euphoric cleaning is a very euphoric feeling and it's exercise to get to stay in shape and um, you know, we're providing green jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're training. That's great. Man. Yeah, we're providing green jobs. We're training. We'll be and we're building green community. That's what mm-hmm. I feel. Like the next level of the company is is to just put the fact that we're here to meet clients and connect clients with each other and do things like community garden and planting redwood trees. One of our clients took us out to the redwood forest and and planted a redwood tree. Oh wow. Sky's the limit, and it's very hopeful. You know, hopeful what uh, can be done when people have um, consciousness of living on planet Earth in a healthy, holistic way. And what's the company website? Um, it's uh, begreenforlife.com. dot com. It's uh, the letter B, the word green, the number four, then the word life. L I F E dot com. All right, green, green carpet clean, Oakland, or green cleaning. Getting back to your uh, music, let's get right into what does music mean to you? Life, man. I have learned so much about music and ancient cultures that the libraries were in the music, you know, the culture. I saw this one documentary on these people that were in Finland. And there was one guy, I think he was 103 or 93 years old, and he he learned all the songs from the, he knew, he was like the last survivor that knew all the songs from like this thousand year old culture. Oh, wow. And in the songs were the history oh, yeah. um, of the people. It was before writing, we sang. And uh, in, in Africa, they call them the griots. Um, so the griot would uh, be the one to, Tell the history of the tribe, you know, through song. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, it's easy to remember <laughs> songs than it is things, you know. Mm-hmm. Like stories in song are easy to pass on, and you remember. Um, I saw this other uh, um, film on the Aborigines, and they the songs tell them where the food is, where to stay during what season, mm-hmm. um, where the tribe tribal barriers are where to go where not to go you know um so the the songs merge them with the uh spiritual dimension i think they call it dream time where they become one with the plants the animals you know through the songs and they get the guidance of their ancestors Mm -hmm. so music is like the blood of our life experience for me you know our heart is music do 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 oh yeah no heartbeat, no life, you know? <laughs> you could be brain dead, but and still be alive. But when their heart stops, it's over. <laughs> it's so over. Uh, music is actually life, you know, um, the rhythm of the city, the rhythm of nature. 
You know, it's all musical. Musical universe. That's what it's <laughs> on my uh, card. What is your songwriting process? For me, um, they're like um, meeting a friend. Some, and sometimes I have different experiences. Sometimes it's like a real spiritual um, experience where it just like is really strong. You know, like I would say like meeting a person. Sometimes you meet a person and it's just like, okay, this person is going to be in my life. You know, and they're really, they have a lot to say. Um, you know, they know who they are. And then other times, it reminds me of this one song um, that was on my first CD as a solo CD called I Love You. And I thought it was a love song. Like, I remember sitting in the backyard, sun beaming down on me. And I get this little melody, like, oh, wow, it's a little melody. And then, oh, it has like, oh, it has words. Now, what are the words, you know? And it's, a, it's saying it's a love song. So I imagine this man, me being on stage in and, and this wonderful crowd and this gorgeous woman in the front row. And it's like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't know you, but I love you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it was like a love at first sight uh, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, song, but then as the song went on, it wasn't just a love song for a man and a woman. It was a love song for all women, for for to honor grandmothers and mm. mothers and daughters and aunties and sisters and nieces. And so that's a a description of how my writing style is. Where it's it's like I meditate with it, you know, and then it tells me, oh, go left, go mm. right, you know, try this, or try that. You know, and then um, this is what this song is about. It's about this right here. Mm. And sometimes they're like come with levels of consciousness. Like um, this last song that I wrote is called Light Waves. In a way, I heard Michael Jackson say one time that uh, it's more spiritual than when you say I wrote. I even heard Peter Todd say the song. You can't really say I wrote the song. It's more like the song found me and expressed itself through me. But with Light Waves, it was more like a thought. How can you have difficulty in life and see the good in it? And more like, not just like a one thought, but more like a thought over time, like maybe a, even a year time or two year time. Like, yeah, I know all this spiritual stuff, but yet I'm still getting emotionally racked mm-hmm. by, you know, finances, uh, dealing with kids or you know, like gut-wrenching challenges. And like, how do I get above that? Or how do I Maybe change my perspective so I can enjoy my life more, you mm-hmm. know. And um, a, a, a idea came to me um, called light waves, and um, and the light waves is like silver lining, but waves like a surfer that you can ride the a wave. So like mm-hmm. if you can find something good in that, it's almost like you can savor it for a moment. Like mm, <laughs> you know, I seen that that's something good in there, or like. Look at the light reflecting off that leaf or, wow, you know, this person is yelling at me, but it's giving me a chance to, you know, really get to a higher level deeper within myself. Mm. And let me ride that. Like this is, this person yelling at me is more about me having control of myself. Mm -hmm. So let me ride that light wave and think that thought. And that'll give me peace and calmness in the in the midst of this troubled time. And then, um, then I saw a documentary on the uh, 
near-death experiences and how people had like left their body and went to this other place, you know. And um, it reminded me of my grandfather when he passed. My grandfather died of a heart attack real quick, and I didn't really get a chance to say like goodbye or anything mm-hmm. like that. It was just like a what he died, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like that. And so when I was thinking of it, the song. And I saw that documentary. It's like, I can hear my grandfather's voice, you know? And that's like a light wave in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And it lifts me up, you know? So that came into the song, you know, that thought, like, you're, you can ride the light waves and you can, get lift, you can get lifted up by certain experiences that are like a light wave. Mm-hmm. And that, and then... In the end of the song, or one of the endings of the song, it said, love is the light wave. So the love in the um, connection to my grandfather or the love in me just appreciating the light hitting a plant or love feeling that, hey, this guy's yelling at me or this woman's yelling at me, but I'm having a chance to, to find a deeper level of love inside myself. That is like a frequency or a lesson that song is, you know, and when I play that song, I can relearn that lesson every time, or I can just go to that frequency, mm-hmm. if you will, of that lesson. That's a good way of uh, thinking about it. Yeah, it reaffirms what you, you know, believe in your beliefs. Yes, yes, yes. Which is a good lead-in. So I know there's a spiritual component to your music. Can you describe that in more detail? Yes, I would say that the spiritual component. Uh, to my music is that there is another dimension that we have access to as humans that is shunned or maybe even charged. (laughs) You have to pay for it in Western society. (laughs) Yet it's free. It's abundant. It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's a, a plain of existence, um, it's a world and it's real. Even though we can't see it or can't touch it, we can definitely feel it and experience it. That spiritual oneness or that ultimate comfort, or like being in your mother's arms uh, when you know you guys are feeling good about each other, and or uh, being in your wife's arms or your lover's arms or seeing. Uh, a child have so much fun playing a sport or just being on the swings or, mm-hmm. you know, it gives a glimpse of a different, like, where is that person when they're having that much fun on the swing? Or where am I when I'm feeling so great being with my mom? Like, where am I spiritually, you know? And does that place, ever, does it go away? Or is that some place that's like, it's one uh, minister, science of mind minister told me, he said, Life is like a radio station. All these stations are playing constantly. And we have the power to change to all these different frequencies, you know, change to this different dial. And so the dial that I most enjoy, that I want to share with other people through my music, is a frequency of complete oneness with divine energy to where you feel empowered, you feel love, you feel whole, where you can actually just enjoy every moment of your life, 
you know, this state of being that's uh, blissful, that every song is, if you will, like just a path to that state, you know, to that, yeah, like a state, like the state of California. It's a state of being that exists um, in a dimension that exists, yet it can't be touched uh, with our fingers, but it can be felt with our spirit. And so all the songs are an attempt to first grab me and take me there. Mm-hmm. And then almost like a pathway through the forest that the elephants make. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, hey, this is a trail that their great grandmother was on, you know, and they can take this trail and they can get to the food or they can get to the water. Mm-hmm. So the food or the water being that spiritual union with divine energy. And that this song will speak to you if you're in this mood or, you know, you want a slow song. It's time to relax at the end of the day, or you need something that you can amp you up, get you going, or you know, um, something that's kind of mid mid range, where you you know, so or something maybe with a more Latin style, or something with a bluesy style, or something you know, something that so all all the the different songs have different voices, different personalities, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, different languages that they speak, if you will, but the, the goal of every song is to get as a vehicle to get to that spiritual place, you know, like a bus, a train, a trolley, a boat, something. Mm-hmm. Catch that train and get to the spiritual state so you can enjoy your um, enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. I know you are also an artist, and you started yes. getting into paintings. And what, can you talk about that a little bit? Grandfather. My grandfather was an artist, and uh, he spent time with me and showed me how to draw the little house with the triangle, the square, and the rectangle. So art has been a part of my uh, life, too, just like music, um, where uh, something I did as a child, but that was more, even way more free than, mm-hmm. than piano recital. That was like real freedom, being with my grandfather, mm-hmm. uh, like ultimate freedom for me as a child. So so the art was always free, free expression. And in high school I had a painting class that I that I took and then ever since that painting class I just always paint or drawn or made some books, some art, some coloring books and things like that and um paint on wood and I find that, you know, with music and painting is a part of um, spirituality of cultures and um, throughout the world, or they'll paint for mm-hmm. spirituality, or they'll paint. So it's like the songs are the same thing. So I bought a picture of a rose, or it asked me to bring it. <laughs> so <laughs> I listened and uh, bought it, and uh, your wife enjoyed it. And, yeah, I um, enjoyed it too. It's nice. You enjoyed it too. And, uh, and it's uh, just about reflecting the light. You know, that rose was, uh, it was I was taking an early sunrise walk. It was a complete green bush, and it was a rose growing out of this green bush. And it's like, how is that possible? It's not a rose bush. This is just a regular hedge bush. Yeah. But a, a rose, rose was growing out of that hedge bush. And so I was completely fascinated by that rose. Mm. And I had to do some research like this to make sure that wasn't a, a rose head bush. I'd never <laughs> seen that before. But it was actually a rose plant 
that had, you know, found another way. Yeah. And he found his way through the bush <laughs> to the light, right? <laughs> and it was like a symbiotic rela- uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was showing its beauty. I um, had a picture of it in my mind. And then I just kind of painted it. And I got some ideas from the internet, the mm-hmm. Google and stuff like that. But, but the goal was just to uh, capture that moment and um, possibility of just making the impossible possible <laughs> in yeah. a beautiful way. Nice. Yeah. Where can people go to learn more about you and where you're going to be playing next? They can go to farishields.com, F-A-R-I-S-H-I-E-L-D-S.com, and um, watch some YouTube videos. I always appreciate the YouTube hits. It always um, helps build my career and, you can purchase music there. You can purchase art there. That's this real great place where you can actually get a frame and everything of some mm. of my paintings and and buy some books there as well. I have uh, three books that I've written. Oh wow! Yeah, um, one about uh, one is titled Mister Dark, Mister Light, and mm. that's a, a little. 20-minute audio and written book about uh, two twins, one born a day, one born at night. Mm-hmm. And then I have Chiku, the African bird, which is a story about a bird uh, that gets separated from her parents, and she has to learn to sing on her own. And then um, there's a book called Guru, which um, a song was given to me uh, when one of the village or neighborhood fathers passed away. And um, I got this song called Guru. I felt like mm-hmm. he gave it to me as a goodbye gift, you know, um, real spiritual thing that happened to me. And um, it's it's in the book, Guru. So mm-hmm. those are the three books that are on the site. So um, definitely appreciate all visits, all support. I, I can play weddings. I, I played a wedding, <laughs> live music. I can get a band if needed. Definitely uh, available for live shows, performances. All right. (laughs) Well, thanks for being on the program. All right. All right. This song is called Water. Water.
Some say it is too white. Then you flow over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>